We're shaking cats and kittens. This is Rob Lee from Mastermind Team's Robcast. I am the Rob in Robcast, the Silver Linings Playboy, the American Wave, the Midnight Snack Rob Lee. Get it straight. For all of you guys out there listening, we do a podcast. Me and my uh, silent partner here. Yep, Torn, you know. Uh-huh. Probably the cool one out of the group, but you know. I, I don't know. Is. I don't know if that's accurate. I have to be. Say, say more about this. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's just like, get yourself over as the cool guy. I'm the cool guy. Look, Listen to my voice. That's it. You're as cool. Mm. Dis- you're, you're Kawhi don't, Leonard. You're the Kawhi Leonard of this oh, podcast. Oh, shit. I'm a fun guy. I'm a cool guy. <laughs> so listen to us every week. We cover weird news, pop culture, entertainment. The cool guy, Torn, don't call me Tron, Tron, and me, Rob Lee, the King Snake, uh, the Thoughts of Doom, the man with... 101 aliases and we're on every week on mtr podcast and that is mtrthenetwork.com that is on apple spotify everywhere podcasts are found those gonna be mtr podcasts look for us on youtube and check us out on the instagram account and facebook both at mtr podcast check us out every tuesday new episodes are dropping subscribe today this episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsor emma's t-spot I've said it before, it's no secret. I prefer coffee over tea. But here's one thing you might not know. I'm an Anglophile. So obviously, I've been to that quaint shop in a Hamilton neighborhood in Northeast Baltimore, Emma's Tea Spot. Go for a lovely date like I did. Or enjoy a charming tea party with your friends. Emma's Spot is the spot to get away from your troubles and put the kettle on and have a chat. Like British goods but don't want to go across the pond? Emma's got imported goods like their bread boxes filled with candies, tea, and even crockery. These boxes can be customized for any occasion. Check out emmasteaspot.com for the proper British experience. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I'm your host, Rob Lee, and today my guest is the owner of MW Lifestyle Brand. We have Meg Gillespie. Welcome to the podcast. Awesome. How's it going? Thank you for having me. It's going well. Um, so um, I, I I went really superficial on it as to what your background is and what you do. It's deeper than that, obviously. So if you will describe your work and what you're what you're all about. For sure. So, um, you know, I kind of got into the whole fashion art scene like at a younger age. I would say I was at like 16. I think I had gotten scouted, quote unquote, by John Robert powers modeling school slash agency that was located on Charles street back in the day. Um, and that kind of just like sparked my, my interest and my passion as far as, um, as far as modeling is concerned. But as I started like, um, you know, maturing and, and getting closer to, to what I was really passionate about, ultimately it, it led me to, to fashion and then to design. I had always had like, um, artistic, um, interest you know like I was always into like painting and drawing and stuff just growing up like I was always in art class even in college I took a couple of classes like that um and then you know um once the pandemic hit I had lost my job I was working at um the dream hotel in midtown and it really opened my eyes to a whole new you know, sense of purpose because I, I had to kind of like reinvent myself and, and, and get to a point where I could, you know, um, make ends meet 
with with what I was passionate about and and that was that was the art and the, and the fashion and as far as like um design is concerned I'm literally teaching myself how to sew so that's kind of been a work in progress so right now my my brand is more oriented towards like um painting um and like doing you know like um like refurbishing like vintage or like old denim and, and and doing like you know different designs and stuff so that's where that's where my brand is at right now but um since I started working back in January I've kind of had to um, fall back a little bit from the, from the creative process because it, it takes a lot of energy and, and time and effort. And mm-hmm. I'm like super perfectionist kind of vibe. Like I'm not going to put anything out unless I would wear it or unless, you know, I can, I can see the, the, just the vision of it, you know? Um, sure. so that's where I'm at with it, but I, I do plan to transition fully from from the hospitality industry into into my brand at some point. It's just a matter of when. I dig it. And you, you want to pick the right time. You don't want to come out where you you have something. And as you were touching on, it's kind of not quite there. You just got to get something out. And now you want to do it when the timing is right. And when you mm-hmm. feel like this is indicative of what you th- this brand is representative of you and what you value. Yeah, for sure. And then it's, it's, it's a lot deeper than just like, eventually, like, I don't want to do just customizations. I want to get into like actually designing clothes. I want to have like a, a, a gender fluid, um, progressive forward movement with my ideas. Like I want to, to minimize sexualization and gender in my clothing to give people, um, just a a new level of, of, of empowerment. I feel like, you know, like for me personally, like I've had a lot of phases coming into my own and, um, you know, I realized that sex sells, so to speak in, in this whole capitalism environment. But, um, yeah, I just, I just, I got to a point where I was like always wearing, masculine presenting clothes or always, you know, gravitating towards things that were baggier or that were less form fitting for me. And I, I just, you know, as I became, you know, more endowed with, with my community as, as a gay woman, I just realized like, you know, I'm not the only one that goes through these kind of things. So it's, it's, it's a full circle for me as far as the brand is concerned. But, um, that's, that's ultimately why I wanted to name it a lifestyle brand, because I feel like it's a lot bigger of a, of a movement and of a, of a purpose than, than just art or just, you know, customizing jackets or, you know, whatever. There's a, there's a lot more that goes into it, like you had said. So, so there, so you, you touched on it a bit is like around, uh, identity, sexualization, things like that. Are there, so speak on that a bit more, like those, those ideas or concerns or maybe in objectives that have, have motivated that work. Like you, you touched on it and I imagine being scouted early and, you know, being, um, you know, kind of, you know, in the space that you're in, you, you have some insight on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when I, when I first started modeling, like I really did not know who I was. Like you can look at my pictures from when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, and, and you can, you'll see a different, a different Megan for sure. Um, you know, I always tell people like, I'm like the definition of a late bloomer. Like I came into my own very late. Like I came out very late. 
you know, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean I wasn't struggling with my identity and with, um, you know, my gender and, and, and my sexuality, like it all kind of came to a forefront. Um, once I got to like 20, 21 years old kind of thing. Um, and then like, once I was in college, you know, one of my minors was gender studies. When I first went into college, it was women's studies. So it was kind of like ironic how there was this shift, you know, not yep. just with myself, but also with the world and with how, you know, gender roles and, and sexuality and, and, and all of these things are coming to the surface to be reevaluated. And, um, you know, it, it really taught me to understand how gender roles ultimately um, confine us um, and, 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 and conformity, how it all kind of takes away from individualism, like in who you are as a person and, 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 and how you feel and how you want to be presented, you know? And um, every time I got booked for something, it was, okay, we want you to wear this gown. We want you to wear you know, this bathing suit and we want you to have your face beat like to the nines and your hair done and all this stuff. And I love that. You know what I'm saying? I still love that because it, it, to me, it says, you know, it's versatility. Like I'm, I'm androgynous by default, but I still can, you know, adapt as far as the fashion world is concerned, because let's be honest, like there's still like a, a pretty, serious um line when it comes to to women and how they're presented in fashion like there's just right. there's just that gender role that that that's there but um then i started noticing like how androgyny slowly started to to be recognized as far as you know like street fashion is concerned for example like you know there started to be um less pressure in certain areas of fashion as far as a gender role is concerned and that really sparked my interest and um kind of got me um you know critically thinking about how i fit into these places and in, in these spaces and how i can also you know spread knowledge to other people, um, about my, about my own, my own experiences and how ultimately like, you know, they were, they were not fun by any means, you know, but how they, they brought me into my power for real. So the, the, the gender role aspect of, of even just relationships, but, you know, relationships, fashion, um, the community, like it's, it's, it's deep. It's a lot deeper than people think. Um, and, and the spectrum is like one, one to a hundred, you know, like there's right. so many different ranges as far as, as gender roles are concerned. Um, and, and as far as sexuality is concerned, so it all fits into fashion somehow. And I feel like, um, our generation is really at the forefront of shining light on, on you know gender roles and androgyny and and the community and how all of that plays into to things that people wear on a day-to-day -day basis you know yeah i think it's a i think it's a revisiting it where you know stuff like this out maybe outside of this country but to a small degree in this country we had some of that stuff in the 80s like i remember that um Chappelle show uh bit he's like yeah everybody in the 80s was hanging out with Prince and every dude was androgynous or what have you and you can see like Grace Jones Annie Lennox from Eurythmics and all of that stuff so androgyny was there and it's this kind of high art like suits the whole thing high cheekbones all of that stuff to present in a certain manner and then we kind of left it we kind of mm -hmm. left it and went really gratuitous 
and it was just, you know, everything that was quote unquote girly or womanly or what have you. And I think like the people that are working in the background that are making this stuff, a, a, many of those instances, they are people within a community that's not being represented in the actual presentation of high fashion modeling and so on. So a lot of people that I would imagine are are in the closet, a lot of people that are out, but you had to have a lot of clout to be out that rhymed unintentional. But uh, <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing that you, you see, and I think you're right, that we're in this spot and, it, and it's very indicative, I think, that every 30, 40 years, we're kind of revisiting certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking at it, like if that was in the eighties and we're in 2021 and we're revisiting some of those things and be like, Hey, why did we leave this to begin with? Why, mm-hmm. why is this a thing? And it doesn't allow for, for people to be free and, 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 and broad it in some way, shape or form, we're conforming to something. And um, I think when people are presenting a brand or presenting an image that tries its damnedest not to conform and to check those or to push away those boxes of conformity, that's where you're actually truly to you're able to truly present who you are and what you're about. Mm-hmm. Break down those barriers. And, you know, it just uh, it inspires me because you think about it, like all these people who were really just trying to be themselves, you know, like you brought up the eighties, like with Prince, for example, Prince is a Gemini. So like, he's like, you know, near and dear to my heart. So like, I, um, you know, I pull a lot of inspiration from these people and I, I, I look at them like greats, you know, not just for, for their accomplishments as far as their, their respective fields are concerned, but also with, with, with the fashion stuff, like, you know, like, high fashion, you know, that's one thing, but like everyday fashion and, 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 you know, allowing people to, to be comfortable and to present themselves in whatever way they want. Like that's like all inspiring to me. And I've always taken, you know, little tidbits from, from the greats to kind of incorporate that in, in my work and in my create, even in my just day-to-day like styling and stuff, you know, like that, that fine line between, masculinity and femininity like it's it's there and it's very prevalent you know i try my hardest to kind of mix the two as often as i can because that's that's really like that's in me you know yeah i mean i I like to look at it as i'm just nothing but a car heart shirt and a beard that's just what my (laughs) lifestyle is and that's that's my lifestyle brand it's just beard oil and well this is a wrestling t-shirt but still the same thing same thanks papa shango there you go uh so Within your creative process, albeit you're you're kind of you know on a bit of a you're, you're taking time away from it. To mm-hmm. your, your, what parts of it do you enjoy most, and what parts of it do you find the most challenging? So I hate to be like an astrology kind of person, but wow. I really do think <laughs> that there are a lot of similarities when it comes to this. When it comes to this, for me specifically, like. I have issues sticking to things like I will have the greatest ideas and the greatest plans and I will, you know, prepare myself and, and, and go through sketches and ideas and, you know, I'll do all of that. But then when it comes to finishing the product, unless it's a commission, you know, obviously that's different. Like I'm, I'm going to do what I have to do to finish it. But when it comes to my own creative process, like being a perfectionist and also being very indecisive, like it, 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 it gets a little overwhelming sometimes, you know? So it's like, I would say that's one of my, one of my biggest issues when it comes to my creative process. And I think a part of that 
um, I started to get over during quarantine. You know, I started to just freely create and not necessarily put so much pressure on like um, style or on, you know, um, technique and, and stuff like that. I really just got into just flowing and just, and just seeing where that takes me. Um, so I feel like those two things are kind of coinciding as far as my creative process is concerned. But, um, yeah, <clears throat> it's funny because like I was saying earlier, like I've always been into art, but I never really looked at the business side of it. You know, like I was always just the creative side. Like I was always just down to, to, to paint something or to draw or, you know, whatever the case may be. But now that I've um, taken things like more seriously, um, you know, I realized that I, I lacked a lot as far as um, the business knowledge is concerned, like having an LLC or actually owning a brand or, you know, um, the e-commerce e aspect of it. So when you do it all by yourself, it's kind of like, all right, I got to backtrack and like learn, you know, the foundation of these things. So, um, it's, it's always a work in progress. And that's one thing that I was telling you, I think in one of our conversations is like, I consider myself like a student of life. So if, if this is, you know, the first stage of, of my business, then I have a lot of work to do, but I, I never looked at that as like a, as a, something that's going to hold me back or that's going to like not transpire into what I want. I just look at it as a challenge, you know? So. Yeah. I, I think it's also a, um, I think you're making that, that transition from a, um, a creative, an artist or however you, you view it, but in that more of a creative space to handling some of that stuff. And you're able to the, the, the business stuff, you're able to kind of better understand what you're good at or what you're bad at, or the way that I like to look at it is, what you're efficient in and what you're inefficient in. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to paperwork, I, I can improv. I can, we'll talk about that later. I can improv. I could do very well in doing this. A lot of chatting, a lot of yapping, but when it comes to, Hey, fill out this form with these particular requirements. Sure. What? Right. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just that meme where that, that, that lady is just holding her legs. It's like, mm, I don't think I got it. Can't call it boss. And, totally. and that's my, that's my energy with it. And the wild thing is I, I, I went to school for this stuff, but I was, uh, I went, uh, I was, I was a business student in, in school, but my thing was more in the analysis of it. What's the ROI. And that's just inherent in my head. Like, all right, if I, let's say sell t-shirts or sell merch or whatever, it's like, how can I, transition that to how, how many hours of what I'm creating is that going to pay for from a IT standpoint, from online, from uh, editing and things like that? Like, mm -hmm. how do I translate one to the other? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the way I start looking at it. But when it comes to, Hey, apply for this grant. Yeah. <sighs> to holler at somebody yeah like i'm gonna need some help with that paperwork real quick <laughs> friends in, 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 in moderate places i need low level friends with high level uh expertise um i like that <laughs> i i have i have sayings <laughs> uh when when did you land that first experience in clothing um whether it be like making someone getting a commission and what was the most valuable thing you learned from that experience um Okay. So I have two pieces that are in my, um, collection right now that are 
the inspiration pieces for my first actual collection. Um, and that's kind of where like the sewing aspect comes into play because I have some tailoring that I want to do with the denim, but the two jackets that I'm referring to, I actually started like five or six years ago. And you know, like I was like a chronic dater. Like I was, you know, the bartending scene, like just, just being transparent. You feel me? Like I was just living my best life in my early twenties, you know, fresh out of college, you know, like I was just, you know, I was not focused and I always knew that like, I wanted to have my own line. Like I always knew that. And I always told people like, yeah, I want to get into like fashion design. Like I want to own my own clothing brand and stuff. But when it came to like picking a college, I was young and naive and I wanted to play volleyball. So obviously, yeah, exactly. Obviously I wasn't about to play volleyball at a art Institute. So I went the other route, you know, and I don't regret it. Cause I had a great college experience for the most part, but you know, in hindsight, you look back and you're like, damn, like I was not very business oriented or like future oriented or career oriented at all. Like I was really just childish and just, you know, just, just not, I wasn't focused. And, um, it really took me losing my job and my stability with my income to say like, damn, like what, what am I going to do? You know, like I need to have something substantial that I can be fulfilled with um, and be happy doing for the rest of my life. And I always knew that, you know, like I knew the bartending and the hospitality, you know, they, they hold a lot of precedent in my life, but they don't have that aspect of fulfillment in, in terms of longevity. So I was like, you know what, like, let me go to the drawing board and like really, you know, um, just dive into something that I know is going to make me happy. Like it might not you know, bring me millions of dollars. Although, you know, now, now you look at it and you're like, it has to, like, I want to get to that point. But, um, yeah. So I, I used the two jackets that I started as inspiration and I finished both of them. And I was like, you know what, like, this is, this is definitely something that I want to do. So I, just started playing around with, with a jacket that I had. And, um, it was a short sleeve jean jacket. And I, I found a word that I felt like really represented a portion of, of who I am and and what I want my brand to be represented as. And that word is couth, which means like, well, man, I'm sure, you know, but well-mannered and like, you know, aware and, you know, you have like a certain respect for people and for life and for love and all of that. So that was the word that I chose. And I, and I, and there's congruency with all my pieces, like all of them in my first collection will have cooth on them somewhere. And, um, you need to make me a piece that says uncouth because that's usually <laughs> how people describe me. If you listen to any of my other podcasts, it's like, ah, that's uncouth Rob right there. You are right there. <laughs> uncouth Rob. <laughs> Big zaddy uncouth Rob. Yo. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's no. actually hilarious. I love that. But um, yeah, so I made a jacket for my brother and it was like super dope. Like I was like, wow, like I'm really capable of like, 
pulling through with these ideas. And that was like, kind of like one of the bigger obstacles that I had to overcome for myself because I had this issue where I would have these ideas and I would start them and then fall short five, six years later, just now finishing the jacket kind of thing. You know, like I was like, man, I need to commit to this shit and I need to like really push it forward so that I can, you know, create some, some, a legacy for myself, you know, and for my family. So I think that's important. Like, um, I'm, because we're, we're, we're ass on. So, you know, you mentioned the mm-hmm. weird bi- bipolar quote unquote, uh, yep. Gemini's, uh, us, us Aquarians, yep. the more, the more noble, the less representative of the Zodiac. Uh, we, we kind of have a similar vibe, but we do things at the beat of our own drum. So it's this whole thing of, even if it's like six years, five years, whatever, it's like, yeah, I planned it that way. It's like, no, you didn't. It's no right. way you did it that way. Right. But it's this one thing that I want to do. And, I, I, I stand by everything that I say on podcasts because I, I do, I've probably done like nearly 700, 800 podcasts at this point in the 12 years I've been doing it. And because um, I'm a crazy person, um, <laughs> but I'll look back and I'm like, yeah, I said some spicy shit that year or hmm. it's like, do I want to go back spicy. and read? <laughs> I, I you will talk about that. Yeah. It's like, do I want to go back there and do I want to revise that? Do I want to have a, a different approach? Has my um belief on that matured or and it's not in that way that I said anything that's um just like just shitty for being shitty sake, but it's like it was a joke that may not have land. It was a a bit that didn't work as well. Or now nah, I probably would say this instead of that now and still have that same aim of trying to be funny. And all of it, I feel like going to like another famous Gemini, uh, Kanye West, it's like when The Life of Pablo came out, it's just like, you're going to keep tweaking this. This album is out now and you're going to keep editing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I kind of look at some of the work when you're in it. You're constantly working on the thing. Oh no, hold on. I'm sorry. I have a football coming through. Are you good? I'll edit this out in post. I apologize. No, you're good. You're good. But yeah, that's um that's kind of how I look at that stuff. And it's it, it's it ever it, it it's a it's a living thing. I, I think whatever that creative pursuit is a living thing. And if it if it's something you get to like when people go back to school and it's like, yeah, I left and, you know, it took me 20 years, but I finally got that degree. You're still learning in that process. You're a oh, yeah. student, student of life. Period. Yes. I love that because it honestly, it sticks. It really does. And it's so true. You know, like I tell people all the time, like, yo, I really learned more outside of university than I did in not to say that I knew everything, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's a lot of things that you learn in a textbook that you learned in in grade school that just has different wording in college, you know, like, you know, philosophies, like all of that. And I I never finished my degree, to be honest with you, I have six credits left. And I always tell myself, like, I'm going to go back just for the sake of finishing that degree. Like I've I've put myself in debt, you know, like I need to at least have that paper, but timing is everything. And and we all have our own individual journeys and timing. So that's just one of those things, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's important to recognize that eh, my experience is my experience. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, and splitting time between Baltimore, because you touched on Midtown, you meant Midtown, Manny Hanny, Manhattan, where it's at. I, uh, yep. So in splitting time between Baltimore and New York, it gives you a unique perspective on fashion within both of those places. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you feel the the biggest differences between like consumer taste in Baltimore versus New York? 
Um, I think Baltimore, like, <clears throat> it's way more raw and way more real than what the, I guess, industry is in New York. Like, New York is very pretentious. Like, they, like the people there, you know, like, I mean, here are, are, are just, they just feel like they're on another level. And I feel like the, the humility is lacking in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to like fashion, you know, um, I will say I have learned to appreciate and respect Baltimore's fashion scene a lot more as I've become older and as I've kind of acclimated myself into a different, um, fashion environment, you know, like I always, I always like had this grand, idea about about new york fashion and about fashion week and you know just 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 the culmination of all of these major powerhouses in the industry right but then you know you 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 you, you learn more awareness about what's behind these brands and 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 the target audiences and 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 the advertising that they use and you know and i i started to say to myself like damn this shit is corrupt out here. Like there's a lot of really shitty things going on behind the scenes with these brands that people idolize and love and spend thousands of dollars on, you know? And at the same time, New York has a really thriving underground scene, you know, and, and there's a lot of designers and artists from New York that I absolutely adore and aspire to be like, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, I think with the resources and with the population in New York, there's like a little bit of an edge, right? You feel me? Like Baltimore lacks a lot of support in a lot of ways, which is really sad. And also ultimately a part of, a part of my mission, you know, I want to bring money back to Baltimore. I want to rebuild Baltimore's gay community. Like I want to bring hippo back and call it 2.0. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really mm -hmm. want to bring resources and, 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 and help in whatever way to, to have Baltimore be that Mecca in whatever respect it wants to be. Like, I feel like the people who are coming up out of Baltimore right now really have the power to do that. And, um, yeah, like there's, there's just so many things that are quote unquote different, but if you're looking at like the underground scenes, there's a lot of similarities, like a lot. There's like this, this grungy punk kind of vibe that's like really associated with the art scene. And I adore that. Like, I love that. Like the crown, mm -hmm. um, up and down, like, you know, all these places where a lot of these really talented artists got their start from Baltimore, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I see that and I want to shine a light on that, you know, and, and with dark city beneath the beat coming out, you know, like people are, glancing Baltimore's way, you know, they're starting yeah. to say like, okay, there's, there's something cool going on. Um, and I feel like that's the kind of leverage that that community, as far as fashion and art, and even, even the gay community, like the LGBTQ plus community, we all need that kind of light and that kind of support to really leverage, you know, to, to the, to the next, to the next chapter and, and to get more respect because ultimately that's, I feel, I feel like respect is all, we would need, you know, like people to mm -hmm. stop like counting Baltimore and Baltimoreans out as far as far, as far as art and um, fashion are concerned. So we have a lot to offer. And that's uh, one of the things in, in various spaces. That's one of the things I try to accomplish in, in doing this podcast. Like mm -hmm. people listen, it's like, this is for Baltimoreans, by Baltimoreans. And it, it also has that travel vibe 
hint somebody sponsor your boy but it has that that travel vibe of like yo pull up check it out and meet some of these people and yeah we we got you for real though i want to switch gears um into my last two questions i have for you Mm -hmm. uh so let's talk about booze i read your experience as a bartender uh you're out there thick flaring it up or whatever Mm -hmm. uh trying to um Name three drinks that fly under the radar that you would suggest people try. <clears throat> All right. That's a hard one right there. I like that though, because it's funny because like the other day at work, I had somebody come up to me and granted we don't have bar service yet. So we're kind of like at that weird place where people want to come up to the bar and order something, but they can't. And he had stopped me when I was walking from the um, bar to the kitchen. He was like, you're the bartender. And I was like, yeah. You know, he was like, well, can you please like make me one of your signatures? And I was like, damn, my signatures. He was like, what's it called? Like, I want to know everything. And I'm like, I can't give you the logistics first and foremost, unless you're going to pay me because that's a part of the brand. But (laughs) um, (laughs) money, Meg. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, because because people will people will will take your shit and put their own name on it and be like, yeah, that's mine. So (laughs) episode of The Simpsons. I mean, the whole Flaming Homer or what have you. It's a whole episode of The Simpsons. Simpsons always has the predictions. I swear, like yeah. they, they, mm-hmm. they've known what's up for so long. <laughs> but um, okay. So my favorite spirit to work with is tequila, um, and under that umbrella is also mezcal, which is a smoky variation of tequila. For those of you that don't know, um, one of my favorite favorite drinks, like any time of the year, is a paloma, um, and I like to substitute mezcal in the Paloma. (laughs) Hell yeah. So it's either tequila or mezcal and then, um, grapefruit juice, lime juice, agave, and like a splash of like club soda. Super good, light, refreshing. It has a little sweetness to it, a little tartness. Like, and if you add the mezcal, it has like a little smoky profile to it. It's amazing. Like top notch. One of my favorite drinks. I recommend it. You know, some people are like, uh, grapefruit juice and lime juice is so sour. And I'm like, Me. well, yeah, no, for sure. But you can adjust that. All you have to do is add more agave or more soda to kind of cut the, the tartness, you know? Um, so that's like my number one. I, I, I tell people all the time, like try the Paloma. Um, we actually have a Paloma on our, on our menu. It's, I wouldn't make it the way they make it, but you know, you gotta, you gotta go with, with, with the program sometimes. So, um, Paloma. I prefer to have your version of it though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I would too. (laughs) Um, so there's that. Um, let's see. I would say like, since it's like about to be summer and we were kind of talking about like different profiles, I love working with cucumber and I love working with like fresh produce. So, um, for me, I would do like some kind of, um, either gin or vodka based martini with, with cucumber and like fresh jalapeno, Mm -hmm. um, and like a little lime juice, um, even maybe a little mint to kind of give it a little like floral herbal kind of undertone. Um, I love using spice, like my palate, I love like spicy stuff. So I would load it up with like jalapeno, um, shake it really good, put a little lemon or a little lime juice and like some yeah, there you go. I always got that thing on me. Yes, me too. <laughs> like for real. I always have a little thing of hot sauce somewhere. So um, but yeah, like anything with like um gin or vodka and cucumber and lime and jalapeno, like it's such a full body profile kind of flavor and it, it, it's just amazing especially for like a hot summer day um and then my last one i would say like a classic 
um, like old fashioned. Like I, I'm not really very keen on, on whiskey or bourbon, but if the opportunity presents itself and there's a really good bourbon that I can work with, I'm definitely gonna, gonna step up to the plate for, for a good old fashioned. Um, I, I like whistle pig. I like, um, you know, Woodford Reserve, Johnny Walker Black, which is like more on the Scotch side, but all of those work with like a little sweet vermouth and like some Angostura bitters or like orange bitters or like even like walnut bitters. Like you can really play around with the profile because all of those things accent the bourbon really, really well. And then just rim the glass with like a little peel of like orange or something. And man, you've, you've got yourself a, a great experience for real. So you're selling tickets. Uh, I know. I can feel uh, it. I feel that. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm going to have a drink. Oh, it's oh, it's after twelve o'clock. Great. Uh, <laughs> so the last question I have um, is this: uh, Describe your Baltimore and why you think it um, should persist as a cultural beacon. I tell people all the time, like I didn't grow up in the city. You know what I'm saying? But I claim Baltimore because Baltimore has my heart. Like I've always wanted to live in New York and I'm doing that now, you know, and I'm very grateful and blessed to be in the situation I am, but Baltimore is always going to have my heart. Um, I come from a relatively conservative background, um, as far as like the people I grew up around, like even some portions of my family and stuff. So, um, coming into my own, like Baltimore really gave me the confidence and the edge that I needed to like step into like my purpose and step into my voice and um, ultimately like give people around me some leverage and some opportunities to, you know, bring that light back to Baltimore and, 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 and opportunity. And, you know, like it, it, um, to me, it will always be a Mecca for, for art and for music and for fashion in one way or another, you know, like if things were to never change, I would still feel the same way, but I have this really, um, beautiful idea in my mind about where Baltimore can go. And, um, the people that I met coming up there really changed my life for the better, like really inspired me and really, really showed me just a different side of life and of, of love. And, um, you know, I'm just really grateful for those opportunities and those experiences and the people, um, that I met along the way. So, um, when I think about Baltimore, I think about a beautiful place with great food, great people, um, and great music and art. So that's, that's, that's my, that's my, uh, spiel for Baltimore. And I, I just want to spread that message to more people. Like every person I meet, they're always like, where are you from? And obviously I say Baltimore, fuck that. Like I'm, I grew up in Westminster, but like I spent, you know, so much time there learning about myself and learning about culture and learning about food and, and, and hospitality and, and art. Like it really just gave me a full blown, well-rounded understanding and respect for the city. So, um, super grateful. And, um, I can't wait to, to bring that love and that light, you know, and I, I know that there are so many other people who are, who are dying to do the same thing. And that's like just invigorating. Like, I love that. I really do. So just like you, you're doing the same thing. You feel me? I'm trying. <laughs> no, you are for sure. Well, thank you. Uh, well, that's all of my questions. So I want to give you the opportunity to shamelessly plug. And I mean, just just make an ass out of yourself, mix drinks while you're saying it. I don't care. Uh, but shamelessly plug anything, your social media, whatever. Go ahead and yeah, do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Um, all my social media handles are the same. It's money, M-O-N-E-Y underscore Meggie, M-E-G-G-Y. Please do not call me Meggie. My name is Meg or Megan. Like it just became a part of the brand because like that was like, mm-hmm. you know, I know, I know people call me Maggie and I'm like, Ugh, not quite, but it's okay. No, I'm a little bit of a troll. So I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't trip about it, but it's just one of those things. I'm like, it's so cringy. Maggie is just not my thing anymore, you know, but, um, yeah, check out my brand page. Um, MW lifestyle brand, all one word, lowercase. Um, I'm going to get a website up and coming soon as soon as I finish this collection. So I think maybe three more months and then I'll have my first 10 pieces ready to go online. Um, if you're looking for like customizations or you want to buy a piece of art, hit me up. I'm with it. Like it might take a little longer cause I work like four or five days a week right now, but you know, I'm gonna make that shit work. Um, yeah. Um, it's all love. That, that was me plugging myself. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I'll do my sign off and we're, we're, we'll be done. Uh, so for, uh, for, for Megan Gillespie, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs>